0: 4 o'clock football frenzy.
1: you hey, so hard down there?
0: Presented by Dustin Dehart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. The 4 o'clock football frenzy on Cofield and Company. company.
2: All right, ton of football coming up this hour. Caleb Herring in about 20 minutes, former UNLV quarterback, breaking down the UNLV opener in the season on the way and some Mountain West talk as well. Also get into Cam Newton and if Cam can still play in the NFL. want to remind you, uh, awesome event coming up in an hour, 5 to 6.30 across town. We're at Rampart right now in Summerlin, but if you go over to Henderson, North Gibson, Henderson, Ford Country, Darren Millard hanging out, meet and greet, and Shay Theodore. So, Darren's cool. He's one of our great hosts on Fox Sports uh, Las Vegas. But Shea Theodore is going to be out there 90 minutes. So, if you're uh, on this side of town, get the hell over to the east side of town. Hey, It's your lucky day if you're on the east side in Henderson, North Gibson, 280 North Gibson. Ford Country, Shea Theodore, the Golden Knight.
1: And Darren Millard, the and Olympic Lord. broadcaster. That's remember, a good point. Where he was broadcasting? I know. we got
2: to get him back on to talk about uh, his, experience his his over. month in Japan. Yeah. All right, let's get into the uh, Tennessee Titans. We've been counting down 32-1 to 1 across the NFL. We have the Titans real high, uh, number eight in the National Football League. And they had some breaking news today with Mike Vrabel, and we'll get into some of the changes on defense. As, uh, Buck Rising is up from 104.5 The Zone, covers the Titans. He's up with Cofield and Company. How are you, Buck?
3: I'm doing great. How are you, boys?
2: We're good. We're real good. So give us the latest on what's going on with Vrabel. He was away from the team. Um, we we know the reason, but uh, what did Vrabel say today and what do you think the effect is of him being away a little while?
3: Oh, precious little. He's the rare he's the rare uh, person who, according to his players, can make himself known on Zoom and make <laughs> his presence felt on Zoom. So, you know, Mike uh, Mike found ways to get after him, apparently through a computer screen as well. He's... Yeah, he's coming off the COVID list. Um, he's been away for 10 days, really, since they had their joint practices with the Buccaneers, and we all got back from Tampa Bay because apparently spending a week down in Florida will do that to you. So uh, he's one of the he's one of the uh, three coaches who has been on the list, actually four coaches that's been on the list, and still, as we sit here today, nine players, including the starting quarterback, Ryan Tannehill.
2: Yeah, you know, we've pinpointed certain teams around the National Football League as potential stayaways until the end of the week uh, in terms of betting, uh, especially situations where the quarterback is unvaccinated. That makes me really nervous to bet before, like, Sunday morning. Should the Titans be one of those teams that we're nervous about when it comes to COVID and the vaccination stuff?
3: Uh, you know, if you if you hear them tell it, they're 98% vaccinated. So Ryan Tannehill was vaccinated, Michael Brable was vaccinated. Um, I don't know that every player on that list currently is vaccinated, but they seem to be in pretty good shape, and they've been promoting the hell out of this since they were the NFL's first outbreak um, once we all went through COVID. So, um, you know, I know Tampa's been dealing with it. I know Indianapolis as well. So it's not exclusive to Tennessee, even though you might think it is based on, you know, how Tennessee handles itself. But uh, I think more than anything that if you're looking at them right now, you're saying, you know, as bad as the situation might be, that they have yet another COVID situation, it's happening two weeks before the season begins and not in the middle of the season. So that is the benefit as opposed to last year when it happened and completely derailed the NFL uh, schedule.
1: And you know, Buck, I mean that that is a point to make though because like last year here in Las Vegas with John Gruden, he kept using the same phrase, crush the virus, we're gonna beat this thing, we gotta do this, we gotta do that. And the next thing you know they're at the Darren Waller Foundation, maskless, throwing balls out to yeah. the fans or doing this or doing that. And every week it was something different. Someone's going shoe shopping after the mall closes, whatever it was. Bottom line is, it, there it's in a sense, quote unquote, repeat offenders. At the beginning of this training camp, John said, you know, we were one of the highest fined ones. He was a fined coach. The fact remains is that we are far from removed from this pandemic. We are improved and we're open and we're masked and vaccines and so on and so forth. Is it worrisome at all, though, that the outbreak the outbreak they experienced last year that? they're even having to go through this at, at such a large extent it's it, yes you might expect it or you're not tennessee's not the only team but at the same token with the with the seriousness and the extent that it dealt with last year that is going through it all over again is there a sense among the media that there's recklessness that there's maybe they're treating it nonchalant or is it just some uh, happenstance
3: you know i mean i think what it comes down to is uh, there was uh, they were they were fined pretty significantly last year as a result but it was a situation where the nfl did their review they found that they had they had committed some offenses whether it's not wearing masks and this is last year but not wearing masks in the facility not following proper social distancing protocols and things like the cold tub things that you know every nfl team was doing but because they had the first outbreak they were the ones to go through it get fined but it was never as serious as the initial reports were making out to be, you know, we, we had Mike Florio on local radio down here talking about, you know, $10 million and a couple of first-round draft picks and a potential year-long suspension from Mike Brabel and John Robinson, of course. None of that actually came to fruition. So, I mean, there is, there is some, they should be viewed uh, to a degree skeptically because it is them, again, that's having this. But given that the circumstances between the original COVID virus or at least first round of COVID and now this Delta variant that basically changes how the infection spread, you know, you go to Florida for a week, you travel as a team, you go out to dinner and things of that nature, and it all comes back up again. It's pretty it seems pretty standard, it just this one has a a larger reach than most other teams seemingly have. It's not to the extent last year where there was twenty two Uh, Players and coaches that were a part of the initial outbreak. I do think they've learned from that particular experience because John Robinson, uh, the general manager here, takes it incredibly seriously because of what happened last year. He's been very, very heavy on pushing the vaccinations, uh, considering that Tennessee started as one of the least vaccinated teams.
2: Talking about the Titans, Buck Rising works for uh, 104.5 The Zone in Nashville. All right, let's talk about some of the changes. Julio Jones in, Corey Davis out. Upgrade,
3: downgrade, about the same? Well, they're paid the same, and I've seen less of Julio Jones than I have of Corey Davis simply because Julio doesn't practice. But that's been been the case in Atlanta famously for the past two seasons. So, you know, his availability is a serious question. It's something that kind of hovers over him. It's why his market seemed to be as tepid as it actually was when they got him for a uh, second-round pick. Uh, and change so you know in principle it's an upgrade because core davis really didn't get rolling until last season but it's helped by the fact that he won't be the only option here with aj brown derrick henry and a couple other pieces as well
2: johnny smith big loss to tight end at least uh, by the price because the uh, patriots went crazy in uh, getting him from the titans ferkshire and then what else do they have a tight end
3: uh, just a bunch of dudes, you know, the the odd Michael Pruitt, who was on their team last year, Luke Stocker, who famously had a fourth and two carry uh, before he ended up with the Falcons. On the goal line here in Tennessee when Matt LaFleur, the now head coach of the Green Bay Packers, was the offensive coordinator here, they ended up losing a game because Luke Stocker hasn't had a carry since high school. Um, you know, Tommy Hudson, who's uh, an undrafted dude, it's really just a bunch of spare parts at that particular position. But they're pretty comfortable with Ferkser, and Ferkser, you know, frankly is the better receiving option from Jonu Smith. Jonu Smith just by far and away a more versatile piece and a better all-around athlete.
1: Buck and, and then on the other side of the ball I mean just dismal when you look at you know third down um defense um All sacks uh, against the pass <laughs> but they you know they added they added uh they signed outside linebacker Bud Dupree they, they added defensive linemen and. uh um, Denical Autry, what, what is the feeling going into with now with the with the season less than two weeks away as far as the confidence level in how that defense has looked up and what's it look like at camp in terms of just the chemistry in rebuilding and retooling that stop unit?
3: I mean, if, uh, if you're talking about the confidence from the unit itself, from the players, it's night and day, uh, frankly, in the way that they carry themselves um half of the group is new with not just uh, not just Nico Autry and Bud Dupree but they signed uh, Jack Rabbit Jenkins from the New Orleans Saints they drafted two rookie corners to replace Malcolm Butler and Adoree Jackson who of course uh, they both moved on from uh they they also brought in Kevin Johnson a former first round pick of the Houston Texans who ended up retiring before the season larger point being that they you know, they needed basically an oil change on this defense, and they went through and rebuilt the whole engine of the thing to try and fix what's wrong. The, the, best, the, the, the best thing that they have going for them is unless they are catastrophically bad, again, they literally can't get worse on third down than they were a year ago because what they did, allowing nearly 52% of, of, of the uh, conversions on third down, was historically bad since the NFL-AFL merger the only thing that they were adept at was creating turnovers, and they were top, tops in the league with turnover differential, but the pressure was non-existent. 19, they tied the league, the uh, historic low for a team making the postseason with 19 sacks on the year, and four of those came in the final game of the season. So, I mean, it, it literally cannot get worse on defense here in Tennessee, even as ridiculous as you might think that sounds.
1: Speaking of Buck, rising 104.5, the zone on Cofield and Company. Buck. Also, here in Vegas, uh, Gus Bradley came in and just sort of re-energized the unit. And it's been, as you use the phrase, night and day. Um, the, 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 the defense you know, has a different energy when he steps on the field. Vrabel um, has given Shane Bowen the title as defensive coordinator. Has he done anything different in terms of just sort of getting these guys mentally prepared? And have you noticed a difference in uh, the defensive players under his watch?
3: Well, he was the play caller last year, and for whatever reason, Brable didn't want to give him the defensive coordinator title, and it created this whole you know, monstrosity where Mike's like, I think you guys are making too much out of this title thing, and we're like, no, the players literally don't know who's coordinating the defense. And said as much, and have said as much this year. Shane Bowen having the title makes him definitively the defensive coordinator. It's, it's helped him create relationships with the players. It's helped the players have a better understanding of who's calling the shots. Um, it doesn't, it, it's a little bit of a weird dynamic here, given that they brought back Jim Schwartz, former, uh, Detroit Lions head coach and Philadelphia Eagles defensive coordinator in one time, but defensive coordinator here as well. When they initially made their Super Bowl run back in the nineties. And then the, uh, the heights that they reached in the early two thousands. And that's kind of a, the specter that's breathing down Bowen. And I think Brable's neck a little bit, even though he's just here in the capacity as a senior defensive assistant. But, I mean, Shane Bowen's situation last year as a first-time play caller was a disaster because they were coming in with COVID. They had to basically learn how to or have to relearn how they teach and coach the players via Zoom, and he said it himself. He basically didn't have relationships with a lot of the guys that he was responsible for coaching because of the way that they had to be physically distanced. And given that he, if we're talking about the Titans' initial outbreak, Shane Bowen was the first positive test that they had on record after he did not make the team's week three trip to the Minnesota Vikings a season ago and then was immediately placed in the COVID protocol and then things start to spiral from there so it's it's night and day not just not because Bowen is is doing anything different but because they actually understand who's calling the shots this year.
2: I want to go through the uh, the betting numbers and uh, obviously Vegas has always been about sports betting it's our thing I was just back in New Jersey my home state and I I actually couldn't believe how freaking big sports betting is there, and uh, like every commercial on radio is a, a different sports book. Uh, you guys uh, now can bet sports in Nashville in Tennessee. How crazy is it there?
3: Uh, as far as uh, wagering, everybody's you know everybody's all over it. It's been it's re-energized people in terms of how they consume sports during the summer and basically you know during during the talk show. No, we would we would never discuss MLS or baseball in the middle of the summer yeah. in a way that we are now, simply because it's driving interest because people have you know legitimate investment on the game. So it's been a really interesting uh, interesting thing to watch, and the teams are certainly taking advantage of it because the, the gambling, the sportsbook companies are spilling money all over the place down here.
2: Titans win totals nine, nine and a half in some spots, but nine. Uh, big price on the over at minus one sixty. You bet the over.
3: I I would just because of the incompetence around them in the AFC South. I mean, Carson Wentz is a disaster. The the Houston Texans issues are well documented. And Trevor Lawrence, even if he markedly improves the Jacksonville Jaguars, we're talking like six or seven games in an expanded 17-game regular season. I would absolutely bet the over on the Titans this year.
2: Yes, no Titans make the playoffs. The yes is minus 160, no is plus 140.
3: Uh, Give me the yes. Again, I think it's between them and the Colts, and it very much depends on Carson Wentz. And what I saw from Carson Wentz was literally the worst starting quarterback in football last year, (laughs) not just by the optics, but by the numbers as well. So unless he's drastically improved in a way that would be nearly without precedent, except for, you know, here in Tennessee with Ryan Tannehill, where there's a little bit of that, uh, I would be shocked to see that kind of a turnaround just because he's being coached by Frank Reich again.
2: That was an awesome spot, Buck. We appreciate it. Thank you so much.
3: Thanks for having me, boys.
2: There he is. Buck Rising, 104.5 The Zone in Nashville. Giveaway time. Caller 11-364-1100, 364-1100. We got tickets to the opener for UNLV at Allegiant tomorrow, Eastern Washington. FCS Powerhouse is in town. We've got a four-pack. If you're Caller 11, you can win them right now. You talk to Ari. Caller 11-364-1100. You can get your own tickets. It's just the lower bowl, so these are good seats. Um, Only the lower bowl, to my knowledge, is being sold. That's what's open. They're expecting, hoping for a crowd of, you know, 25 or 30,000. Tickets as low as 33 bucks. A lot of good tickets around the $60.00 Mark, UNLVtickets.com to get the tickets on your own. Tomorrow night, 7 o'clock start. UNLV finally with, you know, a good number of fans in Allegiant. It should be a big night tomorrow night with a 7 o'clock start against Eastern Washington.
0: Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the 4 o'clock football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune-up today by calling 577-2600.
3: I'm still a little surprised they let him go because it's not like they're paying him an exorbitant amount of money for a quarterback. But I don't think Cam is cut out to be the backup. I think as long as he's fighting for the job, uh, he's going to be positive and on the sideline.
0: Hanging at the Rampart Race and Sportsbook, it's Gofield and Company.
2: I got a kick out of that guy. O.J. Simpson talking about Cam Newton. We'll have more from O.J. on Cam. But, yeah, Cam has gone from the Patriots. We'll see if he lands somewhere else. We'll find out in a minute here if Caleb Herring believes that Cam can still play in the National Football League. So we just gave away tickets to the UNLV game tomorrow night against Houston, Washington. We're here at Rampart in the sports book. We've got more tickets. So if you're on the west side of town, if you're – you know, driving up Summerlin Parkway, whatever, getting home from work later on. If you're in the area, stop by, see us. Willie and I have tickets for the game tomorrow night against
4: Eastern Washington.
2: Caleb Herring is up here on this uh, Wednesday. What's up, Caleb?
4: What's up, guys? How you doing? Enjoying yourself out there?
2: Uh, we're having a good time. We're having a good time. How you doing?
4: I'm doing good. You yeah, know, I'm doing good. Could be could be a little better. I'm getting excited about kicking off the season next, uh, tomorrow night, actually, and uh, kicking off with UNLV football and getting college really going in week one. So, I'm excited. It's that time of anticipation, you know, like things are, things are finally coming to a head. First time with fans in Allegiant on a, on a massive scale. So I'm really excited about it.
2: And like you said, first time at Allegiant with lots of fans. Only restriction is you got to wear a mask. Those are the rules. Raiders' rules are different. UNLV games, vaxxed or unvaxed, You can get in, but you got to wear a mask. Um, I know last night off the air you were, I don't even know if the word is lamenting, we were talking about the UNLV community the football community and the energy around the football program sometimes and right now is a time to jump on board
4: yeah you want to be a part of the swell right like you want to get be a part of the the growth and, and really get that connection and form that connection in the community to the program um because you watch the the stones get laid so to speak you watch the foundation foundation get into place i think you're at on the cusp of of turning a corner i think uh, the the fan support not only you know with the momentum in a game in an individual game I think the community support at the right time overall for the program could be a, you know a little bit of a boost to help achieve that next level you know it's it's one thing to have a legion and have a stadium that's nice on you know on on on, on a national stage for the world to see uh, but it's another thing to have the community support on display as well um, to go along with that nice stadium and to see you know a packed house and to see fans going crazy for their team and and to, to be able to market school spirit, so to speak. And that's, that's another thing about building a college program. The, 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 the big difference, I think, as, as a spectator of college and professional sports is, you know, the professional sports are about the production and about the team and the franchise and marketing the players. I think in, in at the college level, there's so much more about the community, whether it's the university itself, the town the university is in, or, or the, the student section and things like that, that the fandom plays a big part in. And how far the, the, the atmosphere or the community can grow and develop. So I think this is the perfect time if you're a fan of UNLV to get on board. You know, the tickets are a lot cheaper to get in the Legion than you know to go to a Raiders game. You can be a part of building the program and, and, and bring your enthusiasm out for the program and support of it and watch it grow and, and hopefully grow into something special.
1: Caleb, you've been there before in this town, you've been night before an opener, um, you know, and obviously we don't know who's starting. We don't know if Marcus has actually let them know, and everybody's, and they're keeping the, maybe the, the, the three main people in that conversation are keeping it hush hush. We don't know if the starter knows, but the, the potential starters, what's going through their mind the night before in Las Vegas, knowing the, pro, not problems, but just the, 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 you know, the, struggles this program has had to get off the ground but at the same time you're trying to build your own excitement like you said you're trying to build that you know enjoy the uh, the uh, the anticipation for the first game of the season I mean it starts when you're a little kid in Pop Warner and then going to high school and then now in college the night before what's going through these guys minds the 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 potential starting quarterbacks and what are they going through and and how did how did you sort of approach that and and ease into opening night?
4: Well, I think the first part is, you know, individually, I can't speak exactly what's on their mind because everybody's different, right? I, I would say that what you hope is on their minds, whether they know they're the starter or not. I, I think personally at this point, Coach Arroyo and the staff, and like you said, the important people, the players themselves, probably know who's going to be taking those first steps at this point already, right? So um, I, I, I'd say that first. But if, even if they didn't know, whoever takes those first steps, snaps or whoever anticipates taking those first snaps has to have the mindset that if I do take the first snap, it's going to be right, right? Like I, They're going to be right for letting me get those first snaps, and I'm going to show them why. And like you said, this is what you've, you've, you've wanted for your entire career, for, for the most part. When growing up in Pop Warner through your high school career and things like that is to be starting for a Division one program. That's a, that's a check mark on any player with aspirations goal list, with I want to start for Division one program. You do that, you want to make sure you hold on to it. And from having a starting job taken away from me, I know how much more I appreciate it, but, you know, you'd hate to have to go through that hurdle, right, to to finally appreciate it. Hopefully, whoever takes the first snaps on Thursday night will absolutely understand that, yes, there's gravity to it, but this is what you wanted. This is what you've been building towards your entire career to this point, and you want to seize that moment and take advantage of it, not just for your own good, but for the good of the team so that the team is confident going forward that you're the guy. And once the team can check that mark off and, and that distraction is no longer part of the media circus and the media swirls around the team, we know that this is the guy, then then we can open up and start start letting the thing fly around. So hopefully that's the mindset uh, of those guys in that room. If I take those first snaps, I've got to make my coach right. i am got to make sure the community understands that it wasn't a mistake and there's no need to second-guess who the starting quarterback is from this moment forward.
2: It'll be Doug Brumfield at quarterback, right?
4: That's me. I, I mean, I, I and to my knowledge, I haven't seen anything official from the university at this point. Um, but to me, Doug Brunfield is the guy um, that I would go with. Um, I think that the limitless. I think that not I, his potential right now is a raw talent, and, and the things that he put on display at several points during the off season, going back to spring ball, as well as in the limited time he played last year. I think I saw flashes of what could be the potential future of the program. Um, some of the things he able to do with his speed as well that maybe weren't expected as a recruit because of his size, his lengthiness. Um, you wouldn't have expected him to be as effective running the ball. But he's got uh, some decent speed to him, and, and he's able to affect the game uh, with the run, make him a little bit more dynamic, which, you know, you take every advantage you can get um, in this day and age. So I, I think it's Brumfield. I'd, I'd, I'd say with about 90% certainty, and that's how much I'm going to go out on a limb, I guess, if you can call that, that Brumfield takes the first snaps Um, If he comes out and sees it in the moment, I think he's the only guy that goes out there. I think Coach Roy has been kind of adamant about that stance. He's not counting the reps in the game. He's leaving it open, and um, if if somebody comes out and sees it, but basically kind of inviting whoever that first guy is to come take it. I think Brumfield gets the start. I think Coach Roy leans that way, and it's up to Brumfield uh, to come out and lead some successful drives to really cement himself as a starter.
2: And for everyone out there who's really worked up about having a starter name before the game, Marcus Arroyo laid it out during his radio show last night. He's like, uh, tactically, I'm not going to tell you because it's actually a little bit of an advantage going into the game. They don't know if it's the lefty, the righty. Uh, I want to have that bit of mystery for the opposition.
4: Yeah, I, I think if, if it serves, you wave things like that. Announcing a starting quarterback could serve a purpose if you do it early and you you know you get behind the guy and give him the full confidence because that's what the guy needs. If you've got two guys that are, that are competing well, it's not a distraction within the locker room that two guys are competing for a starting job, there really is no benefit to announcing it for the world to know, right? There's no there's no real competitive advantage. When we talk about, uh, you know, the game planning, there's no competitive advantage to letting everybody know, including the opponent, know who the starting guy is going to be. Let them prepare for as much as they want. It might be a minimal distraction, but it's, it's still an advantage nonetheless. I think, and I, I've said this before, and talking to Coach Roy, I think he has a good idea. If not, uh, he's for sure he knows who's going to start on Thursday, right? It's not, It's not like he's this... You know, in the process of deciding, I think he had every intention of the last week at camp knowing who the starter was going to be and whether or not he needed to announce it was kind of up to how he wanted to handle the press. But he knows, and I, I'm, I'm confident that the guys in the locker room know at this point, especially who's going to take the first snaps on Thursday. And that's no longer a distraction for the team, it's more of a distraction for the opponent. And I, I, I agree with that stance to some extent. Um, if it was necessary to establish a guy and give that guy the confidence that he needed all the reps in the fall camp. Yeah, it's more important to name that starter. I think he's kind of got a good situation, and he's got two competent guys that he believes in and trusts with the keys to the offense. So why not keep it a secret from your opponent?
2: Caleb Herring, former Rebel quarterback. He's on the games as the color analyst, and he's also the host of the Marcus Arroyo. Radio show. All right, Eric Barrier, the quarterback on Eastern Washington, is really good. You know, he's a veteran, smaller guy, but, you know, sounds familiar, right? Sometimes these guys get overlooked, and now he's turned into a dude who's thrown 75 touchdown passes in 38 games. He's got like 1,500 yards rushing during his college career, upwards of 20 rushing touchdowns. Who's under the most pressure? Which unit on the UNLV defense? The defensive line? Notice I left the linebackers out. Defensive line or the defensive backs?
4: I would say with. From what I've seen from Barrier on tape, I would say the most the, the unit that's under pressure the most is going to be the secondary. And it's for multiple reasons. Not obviously they've got some weapons on the edge that can get down. Lemo Jones is a weapon on the edge, he's also a big sky preseason player projection of the year. Um, so he's he's one of the guys also on the edge that's a threat. They like to spread it out in, you know, four wide formations and, and really attack the secondary just through their natural play calling. Um, but but quarterbacks like Derrier, he extends plays, which means he puts pressures not only on the defensive line to to bring him down or get tackled or get pressure. You almost don't want to get pressure because when he escapes, he's escaping a lot to extend plays. He's a great runner with the football, but he extends plays a lot of the time to find receivers downfield, and that means that you're going to have to cover a lot longer any given play because of his ability to scramble. So I think it's ultimately going to be up to the secondary to, to minimize those things. Now, that doesn't mean the guy's going to be, you know, off the hook here and that maybe even extend to the linebacker as far as containing him because he can go. And I hate to make player comparisons, but watching him play, like you said, a smaller guy, but he's so slippery and he's kind of quick twitch in the pocket with his movements and able to make those both but he reminds me of, of Kyler Murray. And that's I hate making those kind of comparisons that people get carried away. and Oh, he's no Heisman, he didn't go to Oklahoma, and all, all, et cetera, et cetera. But, Play style. He reminds me of Kyler Murray, and the danger that he presents with his feet makes him even more dangerous throwing the ball, especially when he gets outside the pocket. So to answer your question, the secondary, I think, is under the most pressure. They have the most approved coming into the season, um, and I think that uh, they're going to be tested here early in the first game of the season.
1: Caleb, we talked about it last week when uh, we were on the show, and the depth chart is now out. Tate's name nowhere to be found, but you're out there. You see it. You're getting ready on the eve of the season opener. Do you see any packages where we will see Tate Martell in any shape or form, in any position, somewhere? Is do you think maybe it's it's like he was being, like he said last, like Marcus Royal said last night? It's tactical. I don't need to. I don't need to let everybody know who my starter is. Is this maybe a tactical move? And don't worry about it. But when you see Tate, he could make a difference, uh, whether it be tomorrow or this season.
4: You know, I don't. I don't think so. I don't think you know tomorrow, especially is. I don't think that that is going to be a focus of, of getting him out there. I think the the team chemistry. You talk a lot about what Coach Roy has has tried to say. You know, in fall camp that they've been building this thing since January. You know, that they've not even got a full calendar year together. They're trying to establish some chemistry. Um, some of the guys that have been a part of the things like Kyle Williams, Zayl Griffin, being people that have been there in the receiver group, especially deserve the reps if you're talking about getting, uh, getting uh, Tate Martell reps at receiver, possibly. Um, so those guys, I think, deserve the reps and earned the reps and, and are going to try to establish chemistry with whoever the starting quarterback is and whoever's playing the bulk of the quarterback minutes on Thursday night. Um, the quarterback room, I think, is absolutely out of the question at this point um, for the immediate future for, for Tate to be getting uh, reps there. So I don't think any – if you look at the decision-making as far as the walk-on situation, you know they had a scholarship to give. Um, and they actually get granted that scholarship to the walk on kicker during fall camp, so um, they had a scholarship to get. If it was that urgent for the coaching staff to find a way to get St. Martell involved and, and to make sure that he's you know an intrinsic part of the program, I think the decision and the thinking about behind him walking on, while maybe a personal decision on his part, also I think the coaches probably had the same understanding that hey, we're going to kind of be cautious with how we commit to you in any capacity in our offensive of scheming. We have a system. If you can fit into it, if you can compete um, in a natural way, then that works. But they're not going to force a puzzle a puzzle piece into the puzzle that doesn't fit right now. And I think that's kind of where we'll see the Tate Martell story dwindle down as the season goes. Uh, they're going to focus on the guys that are ready to contribute right now and the guys that have put the, the full offseason to work in and have the body of work to prove that they're they're ready to contribute to the team. Caleb,
2: great spot. We'll hear more from Caleb tomorrow night. Pre-game on uh, Learfield side starts at 6.30. The season's here, and actually fans in Allegiant, it's very exciting as UNLV opens against Eastern Washington. Thanks, Caleb.
4: Very exciting. See you, guys. See you guys
2: after Thursday night. There you go. 6.30 start for the Learfield uh, pre-game show. We'll also have an ESPN Las Vegas pre-game right before that with uh, Magnum and Q on the call from the uh, concourse of Allegiant Stadium. We're hanging out at the Rampart in the Sportsbook. Come on down. We've got a ton of tickets for the game. Stop on by, just ask, and uh, we should have enough to give out uh, before 6 o'clock. Just get here before 6 o'clock in the Sportsbook. Remember, during football season, you put in any parlay card wager for 50 bucks or more, and you get your choice. You get a coupon to the deli for free chicken fingers, hamburger, or hot dog and fries. There are also bar specials that start up for football games beginning on September 9th with $2 draft beers, uh, $4 on the
0: cocktails, $15 on the buckets of beer. It's the Rampart Sportsbook. Want to be part of the show? Tweet at Steve Cofield or call 702-364-1100. We don't mess around when it comes to food. It's the Fat Pack on Cofield & Company, brought to you by Nova Home Loans. You see a
3: pair of laughing
0: eyes. And suddenly you're sighing, sighs.
2: Well, this is you perfect today. Wrong, is it really National Boy, Cheese Pizza Day? No, it's coming up. It's coming up. Okay, it's that's coming. on the 5th, right? Yes. That's on the 5th. Um, you know I watch a lot of TikTok. So I have a bunch of people who are like keto junkies on there. And they you know, they show you different recipes and food. And you know, Willie's all he's all jacked up. He's a weightlifter. Um, he's very much into... Healthy eating, and sometimes he's into carb loading. You sent over something about pizza boats, yeah. And I've kind of seen the concept done with snacks, mm-hmm. but I hadn't seen it done with pizza. We're talking about what coring out vegetables and then filling it
1: basically with pizza toppings. Yeah, it's you know the I think a lot of the carbless Italian foods. You know, we saw it with uh, what they call it veggetti. When you take vegetables and spiral it, the spiral spaghetti um, or spaghetti squash. I don't have a problem with any of that. It's its certainly not a, a substitute long term. I will occasionally do it depending on where my macros are or where I'm eating or what I'm doing, so on and so forth. But uh, So we are definitely, my son and I, Jordan, we are uh, doing our cooking videos, which we've talked about on the show. And we are this Friday. We'll be filming for next week's video on Instagram. We are doing carbless pizza boats. Now, now I
2: found zucchini. You guys are doing
1: portobello mushrooms. Yeah, so that's you take, interesting. You take the big button and you scrape it clean, and we're going to take some uh, some marinara, layer it in there, and then I will take some like ground Italian, some really good Italian sausage, but already ground up. Right, ground Italian sauce. And I'll mix it with a little ground turkey, kind of fatten it up. And um, in terms of, you know, getting getting more product out of it instead of just using straight pork. Uh, brown it. We'll use our pizza blend, which you love. Oh, yeah. We'll season it up good. We'll, we'll layer that. And then we'll put uh, some mozzarella. And, and then you could even throw some pepperoni on there if you want. But then you take the, the portobello and you either put it in a grill you could put it in your grill outside, or you could put it in the broiler, and you just let let Do you it. You till- grill it first, no, to get it a little crispy. I worry about
2: the portobello not getting crisp enough with the stuff in it.
1: No, 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 no. it'll it'll all it'll all all, right. it's, it's not going to taste like a like a pizza crust. You, the I idea, understand that. I just idea, wonder about it being mushy. No, because it will stuffs in there before you you crisp it up. A no, little bit. the the key to make sure that the 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 button the mushroom button does not get mushy is to not put too much sauce. I learned the hard way the very first time I ever tried it. So the escape hatch with the pizza, yeah. You so pick it but, up and boom. But but it's nice because you get the especially if you do it in the broiler or the, or you got a really good grill because you get the cheese bubbly and browned and, and caramelizes and comes out good and and you know it's it's just a nice little substitute once in a while. It's not something like I said. I'm not. I am a I am a major proponent where I do not believe in going carb free. I it's just. There are people out there that buy our seasonings that, or that are following a fitness kick, all right, our good friend Adam Hill, low on the carbs. So we try to provide alternatives when we do the cooking videos. Me personally, I'm a carb fiend. I'm going to go lift heavy. I'm following it up with, with a ton of carbs, white rice, pasta, so on and so forth, because I want the recovery. But these are options that we provide to, to, to give people an, an idea. And then we've stocked up on our seasons. We're going to start selling gift packs for the holidays, so on and so forth. So
2: Up next, we talk a little uh, pizza. Why not? right? Native New Yorker, Dwayne Colucci, who's uh, running the book here at the Rampart. We'll uh, get his reaction and the better's reaction, too, to Cam Newton going bye-bye and Mac Jones in for the Patriots. Look at some of the futures and also week one around the NFL.
0: Join the conversation on Twitter at CoField and Co.
4: Listen, bro. There's not 32 guys better than me. Mm. Put it like that. So you're asking me, where you at, bro? I'm not 32.
0: CoField and Company is live at the Rampart Race and Sportsbook.
2: Well, that was Cam Newton when his quarterbacking future was in jeopardy. It's in jeopardy again now. Right? He was saying, ah, you know, I'm at least in the top 32. Uh, there's a lot of circumstances now that might put him outside the top 32. I'm not sure that anyone's going to bring him in as a backup. We'll get to that story and what's going to happen with the Patriots, and we'll bounce around the NFL. Dwayne Colucci runs things here at the Rampart Racing Sportsbook. It's Steve. It's Willie. What's up, Dwayne?
5: What's up, Dwayne? What's going on, gentlemen? Enjoying the racing sports book over there? Of course, of course.
1: We're always enjoying it. The only problem for me is I I, I'm looking for a line on Bishop Sycamore, and I just can't find one.
5: (laughs) Unfortunately, you're not going to find that. You have to talk. You got to talk to Chris Andrews about that guy.
1: (laughs) We can't find a line and everything else. That for sure. This is beautiful.
5: Uh, I appreciate it, guys, and that's uh, you know it's what I take my pride in. Definitely my passion. That race and sports book over at the Rampart, I remember, you know, the old room. Maybe you guys remember. It was more like a social club. And now with video wall and everything, uh, you know, surrounding the beautiful buffet, the uh, clubhouse deli, it's just a fabulous facility. And, uh, you know, I'm really proud to be affiliated with the Rampart and work
4: there.
2: Dwayne, tell us about the contest you have going on. You got the Million Dollar Pro Football Frenzy, that's a free weekly contest. And you got the Beat the Bookie contest is back.
4: Yeah, to beat the bookie is
5: very popular, guys, because everybody wants competition. And especially when you could beat me, you know, uh, everybody's looking to pick better than I could pick. And it's just more of a pride uh, contest. And, you know, I make it difficult, guys. I really try. I don't just, uh, you know, fill in the blanks. I look at each game. I go over it. And you will be rewarded free slot play if you beat me. And the less people that get a uh, slice of the pie – the more money you will get loaded onto your slot card. So, you know, there were a few weeks where there were very few people that were able to beat me, but yet they were very happy because they got a substantial free slot play loaded onto their Rampart Rewards card. And, you know, that's what we try to do. We want to make everybody as happy as possible over at the Rampart Casino. It's like a family atmosphere there. And the beat the bookie is very popular, guys.
2: So this one's right up your alley. We were just talking pizza. And uh, National Cheese Pizza Day is coming up on Sunday. I know what you're going to say uh, about which state has the best pizza. Is there a is, is there a state that comes in second place that you actually have some respect for aside from New York for best pizza?
5: Well, I tell you guys, you know, there's a there's a lot of different places that I've now tried on the West Coast and. Las Vegas is right there. You know, I've tried places in San Francisco. I've tried places in L.A., Arizona, and on the West Coast. And now, uh, you know, Las Vegas has some really, uh, you know, not exceptional pizza. Where I'll say, like a Johns of Bleecker Street in Manhattan. But we do have Dom DeMarcos, who is, yeah. you know, a descendant of the Farrah the, the family, which scores very high on all, uh, you know, uh, levels of competition. DeFarrah uh, is one of the landmarks in Brooklyn. So, you know, we do have family members from that. And uh, there's a few nice places here. Metro does a real good job. The guy's been around for years and years. You know, I'll definitely eat a cheese pizza there. You have Grimaldi's, which, uh, you know, I remember going to the original Grimaldi's uh, down Dumbo, they call it, underneath the Brooklyn Bridge there. And, uh, you know, he also, he had a rebrand, and now he is opened as well, uh, Patsy uh, Lancieri there. So, uh, you know, there's so much competition. I will say New York is awesome. Also, you know, now New Haven, everybody's talking about that style pizza, as well as the Chicago. I could even eat a deep dish once in a while, guys. You know, I don't mind it. But uh, New York, I would have to say, is still the front runner.
1: I 100% agree with you, Duane, as someone who was born in Manhattan in 69, but raised out here since 72. I was introduced to New York style pizza when Carmine brought the original Villa out here to Las Vegas in the commercial center so there's nothing better than that. And and and, and as a as a New York native and and a New York you know when it comes to pizza um, my question is this because I have my own opinion on this and some may disagree but does pineapple belong on pizza yes or no?
5: <laughs> no, absolutely not. I'm not a big fan of the pineapple guys, so yep. I would definitely have to say no on that. But, uh, you know, you bring up a fabulous point prior to that. Villa, I remember when I first moved here in about 93, and there were a few locations. It was really excellent pizza, I'll be honest with you. So, you know, the cheese pie was just off the hook at Villa in 93, 94, 95. I remember there was a location on East Charleston even. And, uh, yeah, that was really good. But, no, uh, you know, I'm not a pineapple guy on pizza being italian we never really have uh, done that or partake in that in my family
2: yeah it sucks i'm with you it sucks <laughs> uh let's uh, duane colucci's with us from the rampart racing sportsbook we're hanging out here on a wednesday and listen I, I i'm guessing so far betting wise for futures there's not really been an impact of cam newton going bye-bye and mac jones taking over um are you seeing anything on that first game now mac jones against tua with the dolphins and the patriots
5: Well, they're still sitting, guys, at 18-1 to to uh, win the AFC Championship. And, you know, we we have taken some good future action on that team just as a a perception that Belichick will have them ready and the performance of Mac Jones and Cam was even playing well in the preseason. So, you know, I'm not so really shocked about that, but I did think that Cam would have been around to at least start the season. And, uh, you know, I just find it that it seems like Belichick is putting all his eggs in one basket with Mac Jones. But, you know, the kid is definitely capable. He played for Nick Saban. We know that. He's just got a fabulous, fabulous college background. You know, I I think he definitely can do it. It's just a matter of will he get enough protection? A lot of weird moves there, guys. You know, Sonny Michelle is gone now, too. And, uh, you know, transferring him to the Rams that were in need of a little running back support, there's been some weird maneuvers there. But, uh, you know, still looking at it at the South Point and Rampart, we're sitting at uh, minus three, I believe. Yes, 3M, 44 and a half uh, on New England. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that game plays out against a very tough divisional foe in uh, Miami. So, you know, uh, I, I think Mac Jones is capable, but I'm questioning some of those moves that New England has made.
2: Other big move of the week is the venue change. So we got the Saints now playing in Jacksonville instead of New Orleans in the opener against the Packers. I mean, that's got to make that's a great home field. That's got to make at least a point and a half difference. I mean, you know, it's not like they're they're not going to the Packers, but, you know, Jacksonville, you know, how many Saints fans can actually go over to Jacksonville?
5: Yeah, yeah, that's definitely a, a strange uh, venue change, and definitely we had to make the adjustment, and uh, going over to Jacksonville from the Superdome, that's going to be interesting to see how that plays. Uh, I really don't feel that uh, you know, this is a, a strange game to begin with because Jameis Winston is, is now taking over. And also, you have the Aaron Rodgers parody. So, we're sitting at four on that game. Green Bay, a road favorite. And uh, I say that loosely, total of 50. Uh, I think... Green Bay is going to be easily that divisional winner. It's just a matter of how far they could advance in the playoffs. New Orleans, we know they're in a difficult division. And without Thomas and some of the, you know, Sanders and some of those deep threats, there's going to be a lot of pressure on Winston, especially to play ball control and to, uh, you know, play uh, safely and not throw the interceptions that he's so synonymous with. But kudos to uh, Jameis. You know, yeah, have to beat Taysom Hill for the job, and Peyton definitely knows what he's doing. So it's going to be interesting uh, how that game plays out. You can see the significant line movement because of the venue change. But since we put the line up, uh, you know, it's been pretty solid for across the board now.
2: Dwayne, we appreciate it. Thank you for the time, and we'll, we'll be back out here in a couple of weeks. So We'll talk to you then, okay?
5: Yeah, definitely, guys. I appreciate it, and always a good time with you guys.
2: There he is, Dwayne Colucci, running the book at the uh, Rampart Racing Sportsbook. Uh, we got a lot more on that week one stuff to get to, including the Raiders. We had a bunch of cuts yesterday. Now we've seen who the Raiders have added to the practice squad. Meanwhile, the Ravens are beat to hell. Uh, and I started you know, pitching this one a couple of days ago. I I think it's a winnable game, man. And I know it's only four and a half, but I've heard a lot of people are like, ah, Raiders have no chance. Well, a lot of people, one of our guys, Adam Hill, thinks the Raiders have no chance. I think they got a chance. In fact, I think they need to win that game. Five o'clock hour on the way.
0: The crew over at Finley Toyota speak Spanish, Thai, and even Persian. In fact, they speak 14 different languages. Come in and talk the universal language of big savings today.